You're listening to locally produced programming created in KUNV Studios on public radio, KUNV 91.5. Good morning and thank you for joining me for The Scoop with Tanya Flanagan. I'm so happy you decided to wake up and start your day with me. Here on The Scoop, where we talk about life, joy, funny moments, trending topics, and so much more. We promise to keep you in the know and find out what you know. So, let's get started. Good Sunday morning and welcome to the show. Um, Thank you for waking up once again on an early Sunday morning and tuning in. We are here on the campus of KUNV. Of, K- of UNLV at KUNV radio station, 91.5 Jazz and More. And I can't help but say um, I feel it in a different way than I have since the tragedy occurred here about a week or so ago. And it's something that once you come onto the campus and you're here, you can't help but feel a little bit enveloped by it. Um, Talking about it with my guest here in the studio this morning, I want to say, before we get too deep into anything, good morning and welcome to Tamika Henry. Good morning, Miss Tanya. Thank you for being here. Tamika is the executive director of the Obodo Collective Urban Farm Project, which is taking our community by storm and doing some amazing restorative work in the community. And we're going to talk about the Obodo collective urban farm project today on the show this morning. And as we take a a moment and and I started talking about the weight of emotion coming on campus to be here and do the show of the tragic events that occurred, how the Abodo Collective, which is an urban farm, can help with healing. So we'll get into a little bit of the overall um, in that space as well. But I want to say thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. And for people who don't know what the Abodo Collective is in the urban form or where it is, uh, let's jump in. What? Um, give us a, you know, what is it? What's going on there? So we are a local nonprofit, the Abodo Collective. Um, we were birthed out of the needs that were exhibited during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, and so our mission is to combat multi-generational poverty by providing long-term solutions and supports to families. And so we have three pillars that we focus on, which is um, food insecurity, housing, and education. And so with with food insecurity, um, we felt it was important to build an urban farm um, in the historic West Side, which is a food desert, mm-hmm. um, which is also a food swamp. Um, There's a lot of fast food options, but um, our neighbors there don't have access to quality, locally grown produce. And so we wanted to make sure that we did that with this project. What I love about your project is a lot of times we'll have conversations and we talk about what's missing in the community and what families are lacking. And we talk about this desire, like it's this far off thing that can't be achieved to take action and not just talk about it. And you are a living, breathing example of what happens when someone takes action rather than just talking about the change they would like to see you are the change. 
And I tip my hat to you um, and, and just say thank you. I think this is a tremendous project. I know it's located over on C Street, and we are going to talk about exactly where it is and what people can do to engage with you and to support. And you, you mentioned I had never heard the term food swamp, which that's it's colorful and it, it adds um, great validity to the problem because you do you find a lot of fast food restaurants. Historic West Side, for those who don't, who are not familiar, is basically, what would you say, Bonanza to, do we go as far as Cheyenne or do we go to Brooks? Most people could see it. We'll give you Cheyenne for a major cross street. So Bonanza to Cheyenne, Rancho to on the west side to I-15 on the east end. And so that those are the boundaries that encompass the historic west side. And it was once this flourishing, thriving community yes. of people with businesses and restaurants and um, jazz clubs and uh, people lived there and you knew all of your neighbors. And over the years, like many um, what we typically just call black neighborhoods in in major cities, over the years they change. And you see the residents who initially bought the houses, they pass away and the properties are passed on to families or they didn't have any children to pass them on to. And the commitment and the loyalty to the community, it changes its face or it evolves. And as it changes face and evolves and fades away, the community fades. And so trying to hold on to what was the heart of it becomes a restorative project of those who are passionate enough to love it, to come and do the work. And you had that passion um, and the time, because you don't always have the time or the ability to prioritize life to say, I'm going to make this my life's work. <laughs> yes. Um, I'm thankful that there were others who saw the vision. You know, they saw the vision, they had the vision, and they reached me to... Bring it to fruition. Mm -hmm. And so I'm thankful for the co-founders of the Aboto Collective for um, providing that opportunity. Um, I do care deeply about this community. Um, I can remember being in this community with my grandmothers as, um, as we attended church, as we um, provided missionary services um, for the sick and shut-in. You're going to pray for them. You're providing food. Um, you're helping with cleaning needs. And, you know, it's just something about taking care of one another when you're at your lowest, right? Um, and I would always hope that someone would be there for me um, during those times. And so um, that's what really drives my work and my passion. I saw my grandmothers doing it. Um, I seen how how that helped heal others mm -hmm. when they were going through mm -hmm. challenging times. And I just want to make sure that I'm doing my part to um, continue their legacies. I think that's beautiful. And uh, thank you for doing that. Uh, there used to be a time where I think community was some, was, we're still connected, but in the decades that have passed, we were connected differently. And in that, I think people really knew one another in neighborhoods, right? So you mm -hmm. you knew families, you knew the dynamics of those families, you were familiar with some of the hardships, and maybe it was also that we started the race and we were running the race at equal pace, and now we're not running this race at equal pace anymore, right? And we have our neighborhoods and people go home, we're very 
bedroom communities to some degree. Sometimes people know their neighbors. A lot of times they don't know their neighbors. They come home, they maybe know one or two on the side of them. They close the garage doors and they go in and they don't always know. And we're all coming and going at these different paces. Whereas many years ago, um, when I was growing up, and my neighborhood really probably was similar to the historic West Side when I think back to where my parents um, decided to buy a home. I grew up in Phoenix. And there was just like uh, the historic West Side, it was kind of a neighborhood where most black people moved, right? Mm-hmm. So in our neighborhood, we were just talking. I ran into a high, I had visited with a high school friend over the weekend who was here celebrating an anniversary with her husband, uh, his anniversary actually for his fraternity. But we were talking about how your second grade teacher was the neighbor. So my second, one of our second grade teachers lived around the corner from my parents. My third grade teacher lived across the street from that second grade teacher. You know, the pastor lived in the same neighborhood. So the teachers were in the neighborhood. My next door neighbor was a librarian. The one across the street was a teacher. At the end of the street, we had the piano and she taught, you know, piano and, and organ. So you had these people right here pouring into you everybody's watching the children and everyone is knowing what is going on with families collectively. So when we came together to support the community, you were there to make sure if someone was falling, you picked them up. You, everybody was watching the children. You saw it. You saw and it you and you poured into it and you corrected it. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And we've lost that sense of feeling like it's okay because we are a different society. It is energized in a different way now. So, Obodo, collective. (laughs) Obodo means what? For those who don't know where the word comes from and how you decided to name this project. Sure. So Obodo is Igbo. It's Nigerian for city and community. Mm -hmm. And so I, you know, your neighbors are in your community. Business owners are in your community. I loved when you spoke about um, knowing your neighbors. Because even when we interact with they're not clients. They're our neighbors. Um, everyone that we come in contact with or who may need services, um, you are our neighbor. And it really comes down to checking on your neighbors. How are you? You know, just a simple hello. You know, people need to know that we see you, mm-hmm. you know, and also how can we be of a support if you if you need it? You know, if Mm -hmm. you express a need. So it's important for us not to um, push anything up on anyone. Um, We like to meet people where they dream to be. Um, We want to make sure that their needs are met, but we want to make sure that they're guiding that conversation. We want to do things with our neighbors and not for them, not to them. Because then they're invested in their own progress. There's something that I was looking at... um, Learning about your, learning about what you do, learning about the collective. And there was a quote from you on the website that said, sometimes a family, $300 is all that's needed to make the difference. And whether or not a, a family becomes homeless or has a chance to keep trying for another day and some weeks and more days to come. Mm-hmm. And it was really like, that is so small. I mean, on any given day for some of us, can be a significant chunk of money. But when you think about it in the grand scheme of the context you put it in, that $300 can be the difference between a family becoming homeless. And I think the other point that was so powerful to me was um, it talked about 
eradicating or addressing the issue before it becomes a full-blown problem, like helping people before they find themselves in the space. The preventive is better than the reactionary. Oh, and that's for real. Um, There have been times where we we do eviction court observations, Mm -hmm. and this is where we... um, where we meet many of our neighbors when they are facing houselessness. And again, oftentimes it's it's such a, you know, it seems like this grand amount to them, but it's like, ooh, they only need $300. Like we, can we please stand in the gap for this family? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And, and talking with the landlord, will you please accept this payment from us? Um, on their behalf. On their behalf. Because when you do talk to the families, oftentimes they have it moving forward. They don't um, have it today. They don't have it today. Mm. They have a new job they just started. They haven't gotten their first paycheck yet. Um, you know, <laughs> late fees have accumulated. Like, they have the rent. They don't have the late fees mm-hmm. and all those things. Please allow us to take care of that for them mm-hmm. so they can stay housed. Because oftentimes it is it is way more affordable for us to do that than to pay for moving fees, first and last month's rent, deposits. Storage fees. Yeah. Just all of those things. And mm-hmm. um, it's important to keep families stable together. and together. Mm-hmm. You know, students shouldn't have to change schools and have to make new friends and all of that when we can help meet that need for them. It's really a blueprint that when I was looking at your information and learning all I could about you, it was really a blueprint for so many areas where services are provided, where we say we want to help families not fall by the wayside. I thought, oh, this preventive care, because we have so many kids, you know, who are in foster care and we're always talking about how to keep kids out of foster care and keep families together. Like, are we intervening? Are we intervening in the preventive space? Are we only there once it's a problem we have to separate the families. And I was like, oh, is this a blueprint to really make a difference in so many other areas? Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't want to digress to that, but it just your concept makes so much sense um, in the space of trying to be helpful to um, enrich and build up a community. I want to make sure we're really clear and listeners learn your program. So you have three areas that you focus on. Yes. And so, and we always use a multi-generational approach. Mm-hmm. Um with everything we do, we try to have that lens because in order to move families, you know, in order for them to have progress and to help them make a plan for self-sufficiency, you have to make sure that you're being holistic and you're working with the with the parents, grandparents, whoever the caretakers are, and also with the youngest, um, the youngest citizens in the household, mm-hmm. making sure that they're being educated as well. Um, but those three pillars, um, we just want to make sure that people have stability. Um, like I said, it started off around food insecurity. It's food, sh- it's housing, and education. Yeah. Right? Okay. Food, housing, and education. And and, and I, I see your point because they're so simple, but they go so hand in hand. And so let, let's just paint how basic that picture is. If I have somewhere to live, I have a safe, warm, stable space to live, a roof over my home. I have food, and I have my education. But if I don't have anywhere to live and I'm hungry, I really can't do my homework. I really can't focus on my schoolwork. Can't even focus on I that. look at that sometimes from a food, because food insecurity is an area of passion that really, 
If you ever just sit down on a day where you've had a long day and you've worked hard and you're ravenously hungry by the time you get to the meal, and I don't care how simple or grand you make that meal on that day that you're just so hungry, Mm -hmm. that's the moment when you think, oh my gosh, I am so hungry. And when you go to say thank you for having this food, this small resource, and it makes you think, this is not that grand a meal, but think about someone who doesn't even have this meal. I don't care if you come home and you make breakfast for dinner because all you can get your hands on are a couple of eggs and maybe you make some pancakes or something like that. Or I don't care if you have a bowl of cereal because you're just too tired to do anything else. Think about the family that doesn't even have that small resource. That do not have. And there's so many. Mm -hmm. And even with the amount of food pantries that exist within our community. There's still so much need. There, There is still so much need. And we have families who are making those decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, I have rent to pay. I have other bills to pay. There's other needs that need to be met. Um, when you're juggling. You know, and food, yeah. And, and the f- pandemic created a whole new... A whole new consciousness is a whole it's a different it's a different time and world now. And with the with the farm concept and uh, people can come down and yes. can they, they get the food. So what are you guys growing? Because you're growing healthy food in a community that's basically in the desert. So people even just gardening in the desert to some is a foreign concept, right? Because the ground is so hard. Yes. And I know you've built it up in a different way to do it, but it's so hard. It's so dry. It's so hot. And when we talk about um, in other conversations that I've had on issues affecting the community, we've had conversations about heat islands and we've had conversations Ooh. about carbon monoxide and, um, you know, exhaust fumes and asthma and the just the domino effect that uh, is going on in the community affecting families, people of color, low income, disadvantaged, because that's, you know, Not everyone, but a lot of the population that you're serving is going to be low-income, disadvantaged, marginalized. They have all these challenges. And then they're in an area where resources are not as abundant. Yes, we're fighting every day on different fronts to create these resources. Here you are in the midst of the storm, trying to quiet it a bit and give people an out. Resources. Yeah, resources, access, Mm -hmm. opportunities. Um, So with our urban farm, I mean, we we have grown okra, pumpkins, watermelon. Um, There's loads of leafy greens from kale, Mm. collards, mustards. Look at that smile Um, on your face. I get excited because things can grow. Um, at rapid rates here. And it's in different too. The flight people don't always know that when you grow things fresh, like that freshly grown tomato that you get out the garden is a completely different flavor from the tomato. Even they even though it's grown, it's a different flavor from the it's tomato different. you get in the grocery store. Yeah, it's different. Mm-hmm. And we don't use any pesticides. Mm-hmm. And our master gardener, Cheyenne Kyle, really puts her heart and soul into the soil. <laughs> That is there at the Aboto um, Urban Farm. And it's one of those places where um, we're growing it. We have gardening classes to show you how to grow it. Okay. We also have gardening classes and we show you how to harvest. Um, we have pop-up markets on Saturday mornings where you can come and purchase the items that we do have. And it's all donations-based mm-hmm. because we don't want anyone to feel like they can't afford it. Um, and if people can't afford it, we're going to give it to you anyways because we want you to have, um, 
you know, access to it. That's why we're here. And we also um, collaborate and partner with, um, like, the Chef Jeff Project. And we do we do chef demos um, with the food that is grown there oh, um, at the urban farm. Yep, and we give you the nutrition information on the various vegetables. So we're working on different programs um, for this upcoming year that I'm really excited about because we do want um, our neighbors to be able to grow in their own yards or on their balconies um, as well, on their patios as well. And I know you grow year-round. Do you guys do... um you mentioned Chef Jeff Project and some other classes. So is there a season that's a, um, a busier season for you in terms of engaging? In, like right now, we have nice winters, but for some of us being outside, it's cold, too. Mm-hmm. Even though we have these really nice winters when the sun is out and when the sun <laughs> is gone, it's like it's really winter and it's freezing. But yeah, is yeah. there a period where people um, come into the space for an ongoing events calendar or yes, what are some so, of the things you're doing in this space that people would not expect that's creating um, culture and bringing people together? What can people look <laughs> forward to? Oh, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> so we've, we've had so many different events um, um, around gardening with our gardening classes, but also um, different fundraisers for our farm. Um, we had a comedy show, We've had a comedy show out there. Yeah, we've had comedy shows, um, lip sync challenges. Hmm. Um, We had a Holly Jolly Festival um, over the past weekend um, where we had Santa there. We had gardening classes. We had a partnership with the Lincoln Dynamic Foundation where we did a warmth drive to make sure that our neighbors had access to blankets, coats, hats, um, all of those things. But we also, one thing I'm really excited about, um, because we're busy, like, all year long, mm-hmm. um, spring spring, spring and fall are more busy than even okay. the summer. Summer gets a little, gets a little too hot. warm. It's hot. And it's hard to get people to come out. But we love our summer out. nights. So, mm-hmm. I mean, is that when you get creative and you kind of just have to flip the script a little bit? Like, well, I would imagine spring and fall are, like, the um, major seasons of high traffic in the gardening space of engaging because people can get outside and really enjoy the weather. And then winter is like we have that, you know, sort of anomaly winter that is a little warmer than most. Not as warm as the Phoenix Desert, but warmer than Chicago and New York. Oh, for sure. That you don't want to go outside at all. And then you have summer that's just, you know, blazing. And that's part of it. Like um, we talked about the heat islands and oxygenating the air. So when you plant, you put oxygen, you put life into your community and you change your perspective because it's something to come outside and see something beautiful. Yes. In a place that usually is a dirt lot and there's nothing there. But now in this space, there's something beautiful and people are there and they're happy and they're smiling. And this is great creating, you know, happy hearts and just the different disposition. And that changes too. Have you noticed that change just um, the communities and members of the communities desire to embrace their own community differently? Yes. Um, just being there in the space. Um, mm-hmm. Like it's just a little over a year ago, it was just desert. Mm-hmm. There was nothing there. Yeah. There was nothing there. Um, mm-hmm. And over this past year and few months, we've been able to 
um, at six, um, sorry, 26 raised garden beds. Oh, wow. We have 26 fruit bearing trees. We have a nice event space. Um, so tell me about the fruit before you keep going. Like, oh, can people yeah. come and get, what kind of fruit can someone, because let's make some mouths water yes. so people get really excited. So, and we had a nice, um, we had a nice tree planting event with the community. So many of our trees um, are babies. They're mm-hmm. about a year old. Um, but we did have peaches. Um, there's peaches. There's limes. There's lemon. Um, there's apple tree out there, fig. No, there's 26. There's an orange tree now. Mm. You know, thanks to the NFL Super Bowl host committee, we just got six new trees awesome. um, that are already bearing fruit. And okay. so, because I love lemons, you know, I'm coming to get, I'm coming to get on. lemons. Meyer lemons, they are beautiful, and we can't wait to have you. I can't wait to come and get those fresh lemons. They're just going to taste delicious <laughs> in my water and my tea. I literally almost probably take fresh lemons and squeeze them over everything. I cook with them all the time. I like them in beverages. I like to cook with my lemons. I love I love the smell and the fresh <laughs> aroma that a lemons bring to the room. I just love lemons. Even when I squeeze it out, I, then I rub the lemon juice all over my hands because okay. I just love the way it smells. And It's, it's like so aromatherapy. Good. It's this natural aromatherapy. It is so wonderful. Oh. Do you um, guys plan to go down the path of, um, when you talk about the holistic approach, products that you can make for um, health benefits from some of the natural ingredients. I'm sure you have herbs and spices and you have lemons and so, yes, you know, sugar scrubs. Because a lot of times when you're in the community that we're talking about, you don't have money to go buy all those products that claim they do all this stuff. And we've also gotten away from p- passing down um, lessons of life. So mother wit, as they used to call it many eons ago, okay. where you learned how to make things out of whatever, sugar or baking soda or witch hazel or whatever. But there are so many, you know, where Carol's daughter has come from and, and a lot of the beauty businesses that are thriving come from natural things. So is yeah, there just also a move in that holistic space to help people create stuff like that? Getting back in tune with our, with our roots, mm-hmm. with our culture, with our history. Um, that's something that's really important. Um, and we will have those different classes because there are um, there are people here that are making amazing mm-hmm. things. Um, yeah. We work with um, a local, um, someone that makes, you know, she makes juices, mm-hmm. You know, and she used some of the produce from our from our farm. And also she um, will bring back the scraps to compost. Okay. And so it's like this whole closed loop, you know, system that we are creating right there in the historic West Side. And so I'm very much so looking forward to the different classes um, so and working with people, herbalists. Um, mm-hmm. Help. help. Let people know how to get to you, how to, you know, reach out and learn more and coming connect with the Urban Farm. Because we're coming into our final few minutes and I want to make sure we've also shared with people where you, exactly where you are, how to get there and how to just learn more about what's going on. If there's a events calendar or whatever. Yes. Thank you so much. And so we are located at 1300 North C Street. Um 89106, so right in the heart of the historic West Side. Um, for more information about us, you can visit our website at www.obodo, that's O-B-O-D-O, collective.org. And we're also on social media under those same 
under that same name, Oboto Collective. And so I'm looking yeah. forward to, you can sign up um, if you would like. There's more information on our website. We do have, um, you can sign up for our newsletter there. And I am signed up for that newsletter because I want to stay connected. And I know a lot of um, you have a lot of partners and we're really into our final stretch, but there are community agencies out there that you're partnering with. So anyone who might be out there interested in a unique and different and fresh way to engage with the community can reach out to you as well. And do I mean, this is a space where companies that might be looking to do some team building can do something different with their team members and come to the Abodo Farm, Urban Farm, and just engage and refresh yes. the mind and Even reset differently. So Conversations around the fire pits, mm-hmm. like we have fire pits out there, and those conversations are beautiful. And um, we're looking forward to some different spring events that we have. Okay. Um, you know, hot off the press, we're doing a book festival doing a book festival in April and so I really want you all to stay in tune for that that's because awesome. that's going to so be amazing. I'll be looking for uh, looking for that and seeing if there's any special any um, authors, guest authors who might come in and do um, some reading of their initial pages or some local folks who might have some stuff out there that people can take with them. Yes. We are down to our final um, seconds. Thank you, Tamika Henry, Executive Director of the Obodo Collective, for coming and joining me this morning on The Scoop here on KUNV, Public Radio 91.5, Jazz and More. To everyone out there, I hope you've learned and you will engage. Stay healthy, stay well, stay safe, and thank you. Have a great week. Thank you. I want to thank you for tuning in to The Scoop with me, Tanya Flanagan. And I want to invite you to get social with me. I'm on Facebook and Twitter. My name is my handle, T-A-N-Y-A-F-L-A-N-A-G-A-N. You can also find me on Instagram at Tanya Almanize Flanagan. And if you have a thought, an opinion, or a suggestion, don't hesitate to shoot me an email to tanya.flanagan at unlv.edu. Thanks again for joining in. Stay safe and have a great week.